This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. A special election date has now been set for the vacant House District 10 seat. The office holder, David Cole, resigned this past July after being charged with voter fraud. Governor Ivey has now set the special primary election date for December 12th. If a runoff is needed, it'll be January 9th, and the special general election is set for March 26, 2024. The deadline for qualifying to run if you're a Democrat or Republican is set for October 10th, and for independent candidates, it's set for December 12th. State Senator Chris Elliott is coming on strong against the road expansion of the West Alabama Corridor. Elliott spoke in depth about this issue to 1890 News Editor-in-Chief Jeff Poor on FM Talk 106.5 out of Mobile. My concern, and you've heard Lieutenant Governor Ainsworth and even other members uh, of the legislature who are very concerned about essentially maxing out the state's credit card on this one project and questions about why we're not seeking federal funding to help pay for the widening of a U.S. highway through western Alabama and and how that's going to affect the, the state's ability to do other projects everywhere else in the state if we've maxed out the credit card here on this one project and snubbed our nose at federal funding. And this whole concept of, oh, it's just too hard or, oh, it'll take too long, we're talking about a billion and a half dollars. We're talking about putting the State Department of Transport, strapping the State Department of Transportation for the next two decades so that it can't do anything else. I think it's worth looking at. And, and going through. My bigger concern, though, is if, and you heard this yesterday from the ALDOT representative, that if it's not authorized for federal funding before you get started, you may not ever get federal funding uh, for it. Dr. Jordan Vaughn, the CEO of MedHelp with clinics throughout Alabama, is making national headlines with Cheryl Atkinson of Full Measure. Vaughn's research and treatment of the microclots that have been caused by COVID and the COVID-19 vaccine has saved thousands of lives, and it was featured on the Full Measure September 10th edition. It's called The Clot Factor. Here is Dr. Greg Bourgeois and his wife, Hannah, talking about the problems they experience by getting vaccinated and boosted and how Dr. Vaughn's anticoagulant treatment radically changed their life. I felt like my body was just shutting down on me and there wasn't anything I could do about it. So I learned that there were a lot of microclots kind of throughout my body that was just causing oxygen not to be able to get around very well. He was the first doctor that when I went to see him, he would finish my sentences for how I was feeling. That was so, I mean, I think I started crying the first time because that was so new and he understood. What is the treatment he gave you and how do you feel today? So he put me on the triple anticoagulant therapy and within a couple of days, I started to notice some difference, but within two weeks, I, I felt like I had risen from the dead. I mean, I, I got my voice back. I could walk. I could do things. And then to see the turnaround, it was pretty dramatic in a way that I personally have not gotten to witness a lot of in my career. 
This week, the Mobile City Council will vote on a new contract with Carnival Cruise Line that moves from just a one-year contract between the two entities to five years. Mobile will then see a 3% increase in the contract when it comes to the head price that Carnival pays for each passenger on their ship. The new ship that will be coming into Mobile's port will be the Spirit, and destinations will expand to include Belize, Cozumel, Bahamas, and Jamaica. The Spirit will dock in Mobile on October 6th, and bookings for the cruises have already begun. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. The national news, this past Monday, President Joe Biden chose to not be at the ground zero sites where the 9-11 attacks occurred back in 2001. Instead, he spent time in Alaska commemorating the anniversary of the attack in front of U.S. troops, in which he claimed that he was at ground zero the day after the attacks. Each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground zero in New York. And I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could see from where you could stand. Biden was, in fact, in Washington, D.C. on the day after 9-11 so that Congress could vote to condemn the attack. The videos on C-SPAN are there to confirm that fact. Someone who was irrefutably documented through video to actually be at the Ground Zero site days after the attack was Donald Trump. He was living in New York City at the time, and he spoke to reporters as he walked away from the rubble of the World Trade Center. These are men from here in the Yeah, men from my company. We have another hundred coming in a little while. They've been down here. They've been down here for about a day and a half. What, have you talked to other developers? Are they donating their time, their their men's work? Well, I hope they are. I haven't really focused on that, but we have a lot of people coming down here and a lot of people down here now, and they're brave guys. A couple of them got hurt, but we're. Uh, I'm just want to spur them on a little bit. What did you think when you heard about this? I was just down to Ground Zero. Ground Zero is a disaster. Um, I've never seen anything like this. I hope we act very quickly. I hope we find out who did it. Speaking of Donald Trump, his attorneys filed documents this past Monday for the judge in the D.C. case, Tanya Chutkin, to be removed due to the conflict of interest that she has expressed. The court documents give three examples of Chutkin openly revealing her bias and animus towards Trump. Attorneys called it inherently disqualifying for Chutkin to make statements suggesting that Trump should be charged for January 6 events in D.C. before the case ever came to her bench. The documents state that U.S. judges are to disqualify themselves first where their impartiality might be reasonably questioned. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals just made a very important ruling on the case against the Biden administration, Big Tech, and the FBI. The Fifth Circuit Court upheld the injunction that was issued by Louisiana U.S. District Judge Terry Dowdy against Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, government officials, and others who colluded together to silence those who were talking about COVID-19 outside of the approved medical narrative, as well as those who were talking about Hunter Biden's laptop and its contents regarding Joe Biden. Dr. Aaron Cariotti is one of those plaintiffs who first launched the lawsuit, Cariotti sat down and spoke with the Epic Times about the significance of this court decision. And so they upheld the, the earlier ruling, which is obviously very good for free speech. And they also, in some of the language of the decision, indicated that this is, this is a landmark precedent-setting case that's going to be very important. Remains to be seen if the government's going to appeal that Circuit court decision to the Supreme Court, we'll see probably in the next few days if they're going to do that. Um, If they do, I think that will bring more attention to the case, which is good. I'm quite confident that the Supreme Court will uphold the two lower court decisions. The, The amount of evidence we presented to the court is just too compelling. So I'm not worried about 
uh, an appeal. If they don't appeal, then we'll go straight to the trial phase where we will get additional information on discovery, be able to shed additional light on what's been going on behind the scenes. And I trust that eventually this case will end up at the Supreme Court uh, in terms of the final ruling, if not the injunction. And eventually we'll have a landmark setting case at the Supreme Court, which will uh, hopefully set a precedent that, that will push back on government overreach and government attempts to operate a kind of Orwellian ministry of truth. The governor of Virginia has granted a pardon to a father who was arrested at a school board meeting. Scott Smith was there because his daughter had been raped in a school bathroom by a male student wearing a skirt and claiming to be transgender. School administrators allowed that student to enter the female bathrooms in order to be politically correct. Smith was arrested for disorderly conduct when he confronted the school superintendent at one of those meetings. Youngkin said that Smith was exercising his constitutional right to observe the meeting and to advocate for his daughter. Oregon State University is reporting the findings of a lithium deposit along the Oregon-Nevada border that may be the world's largest deposit. The report was issued on August 31st in Science Advances. The current estimate is that the lithium deposit is around 20 to 40 million metric tons. The governor of New Mexico, Michelle Grisham, has riled up the residents in her state. Protests occurred over the weekend after Grisham issued a 30-day emergency order for the state to suspend the right to carry a firearm in public. This comes after an 11-year-old was shot in a crime in that state. The National Association for Gun Rights has already filed documents to challenge the governor in court on the constitutionality of such an order. Meanwhile, New Mexicans in support of the Second Amendment rallied in protest and the Bernalillo County Sheriff responded with this video statement. In reference to concealed carry and open carry, the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office will not enforce this segment of the order. While I understand the urgency, the temporary ban challenges the foundations of our Constitution, but most importantly, it is unconstitutional. And when it comes to crime, a criminology professor at Florida State University is now out of a job for extreme negligence within his research. 51-year-old Eric Stewart was found to have falsified the data that he used in studies where he then went on to claim systemic racism was found within law enforcement agencies and society overall. Stewart's work and conclusions were cited over 8,500 times by other researchers. Now, Florida State University says the data management, false results, and publication retractions have had a negative effect on the school and the discipline of research at a national level. FSU Provost James Clark even wrote in a letter this past July that was sent to terminate Stewart from his job that the damage his two decades of false research has done to the College of Criminology and Criminal Justice may be unalterable. Stewart was exposed by his former graduate student, Justin Pickett, back in 2009 for meddling with the research in order to prove his own foregone conclusions. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. If you are enjoying The Daily Detail and want to make sure that these reports come up easily on your smartphone, then be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcasting app you are using. It's usually on the main page of The Daily Detail. That could be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or some other app. And also be sure to visit 1819 News for more reliable, up-to-date information on what's going on around here in Alabama. You can also join 1819 News by becoming a member, which will get you exclusive content as well as 1819 merchandise. You can visit 1819news.com backslash membership to learn more. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. 
I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 